of God at all. We are continuing this morning in our series on relationships. Uh, in our first lesson, we discussed how that we need to... Thank you, sir. Got a few spares if we need them later. Just throw those with my stuff here. How we need, as the children of God, to have an appropriate, balanced view of ourselves. Not an inflated ego driven view but an assurance that we are loved by God redeemed by God and precious in the sight of God we acknowledge that we were sinners and that we were broken by our sin and the sin of others other people's sins can break us as well and yet God has made as sister Vanny was just saying God has made us his children and he's shaping us into his image And when we have a right, biblical, godly view of our value in His sight, that we are His child, that should contribute towards us having a stability, which then impacts all of our other relationships. When our own self-perspective is messed up, then that impacts all of our relationships adversely or negatively. But when we work towards seeing ourselves the way the Lord wants us. And let's be honest, that takes us all of our lives. He's always changing that. Now, there are some people that God might just go bang and they've got it all covered. If that's you, God bless you. We don't like you. Please go away. But, I'm, I'm joking, but most of us, it is progressive. God continues bit by bit to use situations to say, this is what I am to you. This is what you are to me. This is how I want you to see yourself. Don't get full of pride, but have an assurance that you are his child. Amen. And that's a very powerful concept. Amen. In this lesson, we're going to consider an aspect of relationships that sometimes when we teach about relationships, we kind of overlook, and that's the idea of friendship. Friendship. The word friend, the way we use it in a lot of contexts, is not always the accurate way to use it social media has made the word friend something really weird Uh, the 487 friends you have on facebook maybe three of them are actually your friends (laughs) you know one of the things about traveling and preaching in other countries is that when i go to botswana and i preach i get all these friendship requests from people in botswana i don't have a clue who they are So I look and I think, well, they seem to be somebody that's from the church over there, so okay. So you get hundreds of friends, most of whom you could pass in the street and not even recognize them. Don't remember their names, don't know their address, don't know if they're married, single, got kids, whatever, but they're friends. And, you know, the people that follow you on Instagram, they don't really follow you. They're just nosy parkers that want to get into your business. They're not following you anywhere. But we have twisted a lot of these definitions. The word friend is actually a more powerful word than we really understand. But we use it words for sometimes for people that are really only our acquaintances. Somebody that we know through work. You know, a neighbor down the street. The guy that mows your lawn. Oh yeah, that's my friend Justin. He mows my lawn. He's not my friend. He mows my lawn. If he was my friend, I wouldn't have to pay him. But these are really just acquaintances, you know, and you can sort of, we have that out of balance. I remember when, when I used to work at the restaurant, we would work at Christmas time and, and we would have 
a really busy three or four weeks where we worked really long hours and then Boxing Day the restaurant would be closed and after being with those people six days a week for 14, 15 hours a day they would have a staff party on the one day we had off and they used to say to me are you coming? I was like, are you kidding? you're on my colleagues I've seen you six days a week for a month it's enough if that's the wrong attitude, pray for me. But, but we use the word friend very loosely. We throw, oh, this is my friend. And, it, you know, it's, it's a, a kind way to refer to somebody, but it's not always accurate. According to the Oxford Dictionary, a friend is a person with whom one has a bond of mutual affection, typically one exclusive of sexual or family relations. So there is, there's love involved. But it's not a romantic thing, and it's not always a blood relative. You can have have friends that you're related to that's not impossible but you know somebody once said that friends is god's way of apologizing to you for your family whether or not you subscribe to that i don't know but and it doesn't mean that you're not friends with your spouse and we'll get to that we'll get to that in a minute but genesis 2 and 18 we should probably read some bible and the lord god said it is not good that the man should be alone i will make him a help meet or suitable for him Now we know this scripture was referring to the Lord making Eve for Adam But as a principle, isolation is not good for mankind Now we all have different personalities And because of that, some people like to be around a lot of people more Some people less, that's okay Some people can't be on their own, they've got to be with somebody Other people like a bit of solitude We're all different But to desire total isolation and to not interact with anybody is not how we were made. And I'll go as far as I say, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. We are designed to have relationships. And friendship, in its true form, is a bond between people that is love-based. Not a romantic love, but a genuine care and appreciation for each other. Scripture tells us about a very famous friendship. In First Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. It's talking to us about David and the crown prince Jonathan. It says, It came to pass that when he made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit or bound together with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then David, sorry, then Jonathan and David made a covenant, made a pact, an agreement together. Because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and his bow and his girdle. That, those actions in verse 4 were a statement that Jonathan was acknowledging that even though his father was the king, David was anointed. And Jonathan was willing to acknowledge that. And there was a bond of friendship that was formed between David and Jonathan that was very, very powerful. Today in our twisted world, people have tried to suggest that it was a homosexual relationship, but that simply isn't the case. If you read on the rest of David's life, he did have some sexual problems, but they weren't homosexual. He he had other problems. And so to twist that is just our society trying to justify wickedness. And the world misunderstands the capacity of true friendship to have a bond that isn't sexual in any way. That's why after Jonathan was killed... David took the time to see if he had any family left that David could care for after he sorted things out and 
was established on the throne, he, he put out an inquiry, does Jonathan have any family left? Is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I might show kindness unto them for Jonathan's sake, the Bible says. There was a you know, when when you have close friends, you care about their kids. You know, I, I'm very grateful I have friends in the ministry. I look out for their kids. They look out for mine. Sometimes their kids don't like it. Sometimes my kids don't like it. But it's because we are friends and we care for one another's families. And David had that same... It wasn't, oh, well, Jonathan's dead. That's the end of the story. He said, if there's any of his kids or his descent, I want to be able to care for them because of that friendship. Amen. Jesus, in his humanity, had people that were his friends. He came to minister to everybody to provide salvation for everybody but he also had friends John 11 and 5 says now Jesus loved Martha and her sister we know it was Mary and Lazarus it doesn't mean that Jesus didn't love other people but these three siblings are deliberately mentioned because they were his friends you read the scripture it seems he spent time in their home he ate with them there was a personal connection Jesus had friends and it's important if, if the if God manifest in the flesh had friends, I go as far as to say needed friends. You and I need friends as well. Amen. And friends that we'll get to this a little bit later, but friends is not measured in volume. You know, it's not a competition. Well, I have seventeen friends. Well, okay, I have eighteen friends. It's it's not. It's about quality. It's not about quantity. Some of the benefits of friendship: assistance and strength. Ecclesiastes chapter four. Verses 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. You know, you've got to get something done. you get a friend to help you out. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he has not another to help him up. So whether we are talking about working on something together, strengthening each other, friendship is valuable. A true friend is somebody that's there in the ups and the downs. Amen. If they're only there in the ups, they're not your friend. They're just leeching off you. There's a Jewish expression that says, a man without companions is like the left hand without the right. I think that's pretty profound. Another benefit of friendship is counsel. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So does the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. A good friend should always give you good counsel or advice. Good counsel doesn't mean what you want to hear. That's that's pleasant counsel. Good counsel is not always the same thing. It's interesting as we get along in this lesson how many verses we'll reference from Proverbs that talk about friends. Wisdom and friendship have a connection. Amen. Mutual improvement. Proverbs 27 and 17. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. If you've ever sharpened a knife, you know that you bring it in contact with another similar material, a steel or a stone, something of a similar sort of makeup, usually a little bit harder to bring that edge to a a sharper edge. And good friends will sharpen each other, or in other words, bring out the best in each other, help each other be a better version of themselves. I've got some friends that I'm close to that every time I'm with them, I think, I want to be better. I want to be, I don't want to be a carbon copy, but they have a way of making you feel like you want to be better. There are things you want to do in a better way. Good friends should have that influence on each other. If somebody, every time you're with them, is having the other influence, it's time to make some changes. Amen. And of course, there's enjoyment. Part of friendship is just the enjoyment of spending time together. You know, when you're with with somebody that's a good friend, you don't necessarily have to be doing anything. 
I can waste a whole day with a good friend and never-ending coffee. You're not going anywhere. You're just spending the time because you enjoy one another's company. Amen. Proverbs 18 and 24 says, A man that has friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know, when we read that word, show himself friendly, we, we kind of get the idea of, you know, you've got this huge smile on your face and you run up to people and go, Hey, bro, how are you? Hey, I'm really, I'm really friendly. I'm really friendly. And you think, who is that person? That's not what the Bible's talking about. It's not what the Scripture's talking about. Amen. This church has a reputation of being a friendly church, not the crazy kind, the good kind. At least I hope so. And that's awesome, and that's, that should be who we are. And sometimes when somebody is a little bit distant or withdrawn, we say they aren't very friendly. But the meaning of this verse, that a man that has friends must show himself friendly, is not talking about a big smile and saying hello to everybody you possibly can. It's talking about being willing to demonstrate the true qualities of friendship. That can cost us sometimes. It's not just being a big smile and how's everybody's day. It's about I'm willing to demonstrate what it means to be a good friend. We'll get to what being a true friend means shortly, but first I want to look at some general principles for making and choosing friends. You might not think that this is an important lesson, but hopefully by the end of it you'll see that it's more important than sometimes we realize. First thing is, as God's people, we should be friendly to everyone in every circle that we're in. Our family, our work, school, our church, interacting with people in businesses and shops and so on. You know, when you go into a shop, into a retail environment, you know, we all like good Who likes good service? We all like good service. Anybody like bad service? No. But anybody ever had bad service? Now, it's not that you should never maybe address that situation, but you need to ask yourself this question once you've walked out of that shop and said what you've had to say. If that person comes to church this Sunday morning... Do I need to hide? Because that's your witness. Now, even if it was their fault, if you've gone into the store and complained to their manager and read them the riot act and said, I'm never coming back here again, I'm telling all my friends this is the worst place in the world, and then they walk through that door and suddenly say, it's wonderful to have you in the house of the Lord this morning. And they go, haven't we met? No, no, a lot of people think I look like somebody else. <laughs> We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. Sometimes a better witness is more important than better service. Amen. Bless the Lord. You know, we should be aware of those who may need help in friendship and look to provide that help when it's within our abilities. You know, those situations don't always lead to close friendship, but they give us an opportunity to minister to people. Here's the thing about friendship that's, that is, I think, really important, is that we should create our own opportunities. Create your own opportunities. It doesn't always have to be someone else's fault. You know, if you say, nobody talks to me, start a conversation with somebody. Go and say hello. Instead of saying, well, nobody ever invites me to their home, invite somebody to yours. Instead of saying, well, nobody's been to my house to visit us since 1987 because I've been keeping track, invite them to your house. Create your own opportunity. You know, for some of us, this is a revelation. Some of us are going home with that, and that's all we needed this morning. When that brother or sister never greets you at church, go out of your way to greet them. You've got options. You can sit down and say, well, I don't know what their problem is. 
but for the last five meetings they have consistently not shaken my hand get up walk across the room good to see you bro great to have you in the house of the Lord sister cut through some junk make a connection create your own opportunity the easy option is to say well they should have and maybe you're right but hey what are you doing about it you know look for people if you're thinking about making friends look for people with similar situations to make connections you got a young family with young kids and there's somebody else with a young family young kids arrange your time to get together at the park or I, I love it when I see on social media with all those fake friends when I see families in the church with kids getting together and doing stuff that's important if you've got little kids you know you probably don't want to take them to someone's house who's got teenagers for a variety of reasons but you know make a connection with somebody that you've got something in common with you know they might have a similar interest fishing don't ask me to go fishing with you please please you know if you're into that find somebody else who is somebody who might like camping again don't invite me to go camping four wheel driving we've got a few four wheel drive enthusiasts in the place if you're into baking you want to go for coffee you like a particular sport or hobby create your own opportunity say hey I heard you like such and such would you like to get together build a bridge with somebody it's so easy to say nobody this or nobody that but what am I doing what am I doing how about the thing that we think they should be doing let's do that to start with see what happens they don't greet you greet them you know if they don't invite you invite them amen when it comes to our close friends this is important deliberately choose your close friends these are the people who are close to you who you allow to have input into your lives and who have a consistent spiritual influence upon you this is something you should be prayerful about it doesn't mean that you've got to go well you know i'm going to pick a particular leader or it's not talking about position or prominence it's talking about people that are walking with god being friends with a leader generally is not a good thing because they're normally busy doing stuff and they can't get together with you anyway but be prayerful about it say lord who am i allowing significant influence in my life it's not just measured in time because you probably spend more time at work with your work colleagues than you do with close friends but those people at work hopefully aren't having a significant spiritual influence upon you it's about access to your heart first corinthians 15 and 33 be not deceived evil communications corrupt good manners New Living Translation says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Whether you realize it or not, we've mentioned this recently, but we are spiritually absorbent creatures. We can be affected by other people spiritually simply by spending time together. Now, if somebody's got a bad spirit, they don't even have to say much. You spend a lot of time with them, we absorb one another it's not meant to be freaky or wacky that's just how it is even the world understands this idea they have expressions that say things like if you lie down with dogs you get up with fleas you grow like the company that you keep show me your friends I'll show you your future even the world understands that we influence one another Proverbs again Proverbs chapter 22 verses 24 and 25 make no friendship with an angry man 
And with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Again, New Living Translation says, Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. That doesn't mean that if you've got a friend that gets upset one day, that's it. It's off. It's over. Delete my number. We all get upset some days. We all get irritated. Anybody never get irritated? If you check your pulse, you got one of those, there's going to be a bad day. We have to, I've taught this before, but you have to recognize there's a difference between a bad day and a bad spirit. They're not the same thing. We all have the bad day. That's when we need our friends. But if there's somebody like the Bob that's always angry, constantly upset about this and angry about that and furious about this, you need to put some daylight there because it will begin to affect you. Amen. If, if just somebody being angry one day was justified to set, none of us would be married. Amen. The Bible even instructs us not to fellowship with certain people. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. Paul said, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with fornicators of this world, or with the covetous or extortionists, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such an one know not to eat. I'm going to read that again in a modern translation. When I wrote unto you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people who worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, is greedy, worships idols, is abusive, is a drunkard, or cheats people. And he said, don't even eat with such people. The issue is not that we should not eat with sinners. It's when somebody says, I'm serving God, I'm doing great things, I'm living for God, but they are deliberately and unrepentantly living a lifestyle of sin and not interested in doing anything about it. Scripture says we have to draw a line. And people say, well, what about grace? What about the love of God? The thing is, if you don't draw a line, when you fellowship or you have friendship with those people that profess to be believers and are living in deliberate sin, you're endorsing their behavior. Not only that, you then become numb to their behavior and you run the risk of imitating their behavior. And so your close friends need to have a compatibility of spirit and purpose. We need to be going in the same direction. We need to have the same priorities. It doesn't mean that we're all doing exactly the same thing. But overall, our lives need to be focused on living for Jesus, doing what Jesus wants us to do, encouraging one another to be there at the end when the trumpet sounds. They're the people that need to influence your soul. You should be reaching out to your work colleagues. You should be reaching out to the people you go to school with, your unsafe family, the guy that does your dry cleaning. I've told you this before. There's a guy that we get our dry cleaning done by. He's a really rough diamond. And, but I've developed a friendship with this man. Oh, sorry, he's an acquaintance. I'm defying my own definition. I've come to know him a little bit. Let's put it that way. To the point that I, he's, from, he's from Sydney, so he wants to talk about rugby league. I'm from Queensland, so I know a little bit more about rugby league than some people in WA. So we have a little bit of a connection there. To the point that he rings me to tell me when there's a game on. How many people's dry cleaners ring them at home? First time it happened, I was like, that was really weird. 
But you're building a connection. We've got to be willing to build bridges with the unsaved. But they're not the people that we're taking counsel from. I don't go to my dry cleaner and say, look, I'm struggling with this relationship with somebody in my church. What's your advice? He'd probably tell me to knock him out. He's pretty rough. That's that's the difference. You're building a connection, but he's not somebody that's speaking into my life. Those people you choose carefully. Choose them wisely, considering their fruit. Consider their relationships. You know, if you've got a problem with Brother Gavin, I don't think I've ever had a problem with Brother Gavin. I've known him 40 years, I think. But if I've got a problem with Brother Gavin, and I know that Brother David's got a problem with Brother Gavin, I don't go to talk to Brother David about how to handle that problem. That would be unwise. I'd say, I need somebody who's got a good relationship with the leadership to help me know how to handle this choose the people that influence you carefully friends is not just about hanging out it's about influence upon your soul amen the qualities of a true friend or what it means to show yourself friendly and talks about a man that has friends must show himself to be friendly the first things on this list is faithfulness and loyalty your reputation should be safe in your friend's hands if you've got a close friend and you know they're having a bad day you don't throw them under the bus you protect your friends that doesn't mean you cover sin there's a difference there Proverbs 17 and 17 says a friend loveth at all times faithfulness Proverbs 27 and 10 says thine own friend and thy father's friend there's David and Jonathan forsake not neither go to thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity for better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. He says, you might, when you've got a problem, a long distance family member is not who you need. You need somebody close by, somebody who cares for you. The reverse of that is also true. Proverbs 25 and 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. You're in a difficult situation and you need that foot to hold you up and it's out of joint and you put weight on it. What happens? You collapse. You've got that busted tooth that you're trying to preserve and protect and you forget about it and you throw that hard lolly in your mouth and you go, crunch. And the pain is just like, it lets you down in your time of need. And that's what an unfaithful man is like. Amen. We should not be like that. Don't be that kind of friend. Don't be that kind of friend. True friendship is based on love. John 15 and 13. Greater love has no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Genuine friendship and love is without expectation of return. If you do something for a friend, you don't expect something in return. If somebody does something for you and they say, you owe me, they're not your friend. They might joke, but if that's how they really feel, that's not real friendship. Genuine love and friendship doesn't seek its own interests. 1 Corinthians 10.24 Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. That word wealth is not speaking specifically about money. It's speaking about their benefit, their profit. You want to seek somebody else's benefit. It's it's not suggesting it's your job to make your friends rich. Nice idea, but not the appropriate understanding of the scripture. Amen. Genuine friendship will put others first. Romans 12 and 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. And a good friend should be able to be honest with you even if it's to challenge you. Proverbs 27 and 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, if you ask a friend, did I handle that well, or how do you think that went, they should be able to tell you the truth. If you have confidence in your relationship with them, you'll know that they have your best interests at heart. You see, when you've got a close friend, you've got enough confidence in that relationship that you can be honest with one another and say, hey, that wasn't your best work. You maybe need to go and apologize or probably shouldn't have done that that way. You know, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Somebody always tells you that you're always right and you're everything wrong. Something's not right there. Amen. Good friends don't smother a friendship. Proverbs 25 and 17. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee and so hate thee. Do I need to interpret what that means? Don't smother your friendship. Don't be that friend that has to be with somebody 24-7 and gets their feelings hurt when they're not invited to every single thing that friend is doing. Don't be that kind of friend. If someone feels like they have to hide the fact from you that they're doing something with somebody else, you may have a problem. You know, you remember at school, particularly in primary school, when, you know, little kids, this person's my friend. That meant you owned them. They weren't allowed to have any other friends. Uh, forgive me, but I think it was worse with girls and boys. I may be wrong. You ladies can help me understand that if I'm wrong. But it was like, no, that you're my friend, which means you can't be anybody else's friend. You don't need a friend like that. That's That's stalking. That's not good. You don't want to be that friend. You need to recognize that we have other friends. You know, if they don't invite you to everything, that's okay. If they never invite you to anything, you may need some new friends. You may need to change that up. Amen. Deeper relationships in life are based upon the platform of friendship. Within the church, we should build friendships. We're all brethren, but we should build friendships as well. Our relationship is not the same with everybody. Your relationship with people here is different. It's based upon things like time spent together, how many years you've been coming to church, interests, similarities, and things that influence those relationships. It's a false concept to think that everybody you go to church with should be your BFF. That's best friend forever, I think this thing's for, doesn't it? Yeah, sorry. I'm a little bit old. But sometimes we think like everybody should be our closest friend. That's not reality. We're brethren. We're brothers and sisters. Are your natural brothers and sisters all your best friends? Probably not. Unless you come from a really closed-in family. Amen. Marriages. Your spouse should be your best friend. If you're married, your spouse should be your best friend. But not your only friend. I have to recognize that my wife's friendship with other ladies adds something to her as a person that I cannot. Another lady understands how she thinks about some things, possibly most things, better than I can. And every lady who's married said, Amen. We need somebody who speaks our language. The same is true in reverse. As a, as a husband, I need to have guys that are friends as well. You know? When you get married, you don't lock yourself away from the rest of society. Amen. And here's, here's a, a word to the wise. When you get married... Your friendships with those of the opposite sex need to be adjusted and have very healthy boundaries. I mean, you know, in, in a church environment, uh, particularly with a youth group, young people can grow up together. The youth group that I grew up in was, was small. 
we were very close because at that time the nearest church to us that preached the same doctrine was 1400 kilometers away so this whole joint youth thing yeah that didn't happen that didn't exist and so we were very close and so we we all had close relationships boys and girls growing up like siblings but as you reach maturity and some of those young people get married their relationships with the others in the youth have to change it's a different dynamic if you're wise you'll take care of that amen if, if when i you know when i got married there might have been some young ladies that i was close with like siblings but those the, the dynamic you didn't just they don't not exist anymore just you know you're dead to me it's not like that but you've got to change that because you're now in a relationship with somebody that is different and if you're wise you'll learn that amen it's just something as a side note and uh four times in the new testament the apostle paul wrote that we should greet one another with a holy kiss everybody's pausing what's coming next how people greet one another varies from culture to culture in some cultures it's common to greet each other particularly friends and family with a kiss sometimes on one cheek sometimes on both that can be quite confronting if you're not used to it when i grew up none of my uncles ever kissed me when i met my wife's family all of her uncles kissed me on both cheeks that took some getting used to I've often told people that the day I got married I kissed so many men because my wife's extended family were all there and they all want to kiss you on both cheeks and you, there's hundreds of them you're going around the room it's like it's like I spent half my wedding day kissing men that's not how I grew up so that can be a little bit confronting if you're not used to it but when in rome and uh in our culture we are more used to shaking someone's hand or hugging or kissing our family members what paul was writing to us about was greeting one another in genuine love in a bond of brotherly love and within this church we have a variety of cultures represented and so when we greet one another brothers it's a good thing to greet each other with a hug if you're comfortable with that if you're not sure i am you want to give me a hug that's cool i have no problem with that okay. sometimes you you know it's like you come to church you sort of go in for a half handshake half hug you're not really sure which way this is going to go it happens you know you come to church and you're like there's this standoff while we work out are they a shaker or a hugger you want to give me a hug brethren that's fine sisters great to see you greeting each other in a similar ladies generally don't have as many hang-ups about it amen but it's wise i believe that we should refrain from hugging and kissing members of the opposite sex unless you're related let's keep it to shaking hands okay let me be clear i'm not suggesting it's a sin to hug somebody of the opposite sex but it can be awkward and it can cause problems so let's just fold that away and make that our practice amen continuing to talk about friendship another aspect of friendship as mind-blowing as this is is that the lord is our friend that's mind-blowing it's not the same as a human friend because we must never lose sight of the fact that he is our king that he is our lord that he is our master but he can also be our friend he has all the qualities of a true friend he's faithful he's loyal his love is genuine he's honest he seeks what's best for us amen 
But what is also significant about this friendship that's very different from our natural friendships is that obedience is one of its conditions. John fifteen thirteen to 15 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Then there's a condition. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Now you can't say that to your natural friends. I can't say, Brother Moses, you can be my friend as long as you do everything I say. Go and get me a coffee. Go and buy me lunch. Go and clean my car. No, that's, that's, not, that's not natural. But in, when we're talking about with the Lord, he said, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. James testifies of this concept in James chapter 2 and verse 23 when he writes about Abraham. It says, And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed or accounted unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Abraham's repeated obedience by faith drew him closer to the one that he was eventually willing to offer his own son as a sacrifice for, transitioning him from not just a servant of God, but the friend of God. That's a powerful thing. Amen. And so, genuine God-designed friendship is based on love. And I'm drawing to a close. As we begin, sorry, as we become more understanding of ourselves, more understanding of how God sees us, we can establish healthy friendships and relationships. As we learn to love God, that circle of love, if you like, expands or it spreads. First John 4.19 says we love Him because he first loved us that's where it begins we learn to love in our relationship with God but then it needs to spread beyond there to our natural family and to our church family 1st John chapter 3 verses 14 through 16 we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren he that loveth not his brother abideth in death whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him our love for our brethren impacts our salvation Hereby perceive or hereby understand we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. doesn't mean that we should be necessarily physically dying all the time, but that means that because I love my brother, even if there's something going on there, I'm going to yield. I'm going to put my flesh to death because that relationship matters more than my opinion and my hurt. It impacts your salvation. That circle spreads to those that come under the broad heading of our neighbours. Matthew, Mark, sorry, Mark 12, 31. The second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. There's none other commandment greater. And then the circle spreads even further. Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 to 47. I say unto you, love your enemies. This is the love of God. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. We'd like to do something to them that hate us, but it doesn't come under the category of good. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Our relationship with Him is connected to that. For He makes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just. You're going to have some bad days. But if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Don't the publicans do the same thing? You only salute your brethren. You only greet your brethren. You're exactly the same as everybody on the street. The sinner on the street does that. As the children of God, there is a higher expectation that demonstrates that He is our Father. We love Him. 
We love our brethren, our neighbors, our families, our enemies. Amen. See, love, love is a command from God. We are commanded to love Him, love our brethren, love our neighbors, love our enemies. And our idea of love is based upon feelings or emotions. But the fact that we are commanded to love by the Lord means that like all of His other commandments, we can make a choice to obey. It's not feelings based. Love is more a choice than an emotion. It's expressed more by actions than by feelings. Now when we demonstrate love, feelings will often come. Now I'm kind of glad I don't live in the, the days or a culture where they have arranged marriages. Some of your cultures have got some of those components. I don't know how I'd go with that. But you know what the reality is? I think arranged marriages succeed more than ones that we organize ourselves. Because your parents generally have a better idea of what it takes to stay married than you do. And if you've got an arranged marriage, and they say, see this lady, you're going to marry her, and you're like, cool. You're not in love with them. But that love can grow. If you commit to that relationship, that love will develop. Love is a choice. We choose to love God. And then we choose to love His people. We choose to love our brothers and sisters, regardless of our feelings. And when you demonstrate by faith the love that God wants you to, He'll produce the feelings through you. Because you're giving Him an avenue that His love can flow through. When I say, Lord, I'm not sure how to go about this, but I love Moses, I want to find some way to demonstrate that to Him, God's Spirit will move through me. It's more likely that Moses will do it back to me because he's more loving than I am. But it will produce that love and the feelings and the fruit will start to come together. It's an act of faith. All obedience is faith-based. When you got saved, you obeyed by faith. So you can love somebody by faith. That messes with your head, doesn't it? I can choose to demonstrate the love of God in spite of my feelings and let God take care of the feelings. Amen. Love is a commitment. It's a choice. We're not going to read it now for the sake of time, but let's stand together and encourage you to go home and read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of you are familiar with it. In the King James Version, the word is charity, which speaks about sacrificial love. But go through that. I read this recently the other day, and it really challenged me. Go through that passage, and every time you see the word charity, put your name in there and read it and see if you feel like it's accurate. Love suffers long. Does Simon suffer long? Love is patient. Love is kind. Endures. All the, and you put, put your name in there and see how you think you go. And say, God, help me to love as you would have me to love. Help me to be the kind of friend that you would have. You see, friendships, marriages develop out of friendships. Relationships develop out of friendships. These are all the foundation of our relationships. It's all about the love of God. Let's lift our hands and just worship Him for